Hello. So God placed it upon my heart to start a podcast where I'll be talking about different biblical truths of uh, life and scripture, basically approaching day-to-day situations with scripture. And within my podcast was is a segment that I introduced that is called a preacher's comment. You know, I this is where I just get to comment on scripture and passages of scripture and i am dealing with first peter currently still in chapter one in the i think this is the fifth or sixth or seventh part of 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 it i don't know but um we want to continue from where we left off last time and uh, we ended looking at the pressures of salvation so let us resume at the end of verse 7 just to catch us up on what I was saying previously. I'm going to start up with a quote from Corey Ten Boom who says, and I quote, If God sends us on stony paths, he will provide or he provides strong shoes. End quote. My pre-summary is that in First Peter from chapter 1 verse 1 to 12, the Apostle Peter looks at three aspects of salvation. The blessing of salvation, which is found in verses 3 to 5. The pressures of salvation, which are found from verses 6 to 9. And the greatness of salvation, which are found from verses 10 to 12. And we will begin by addressing verse 7, then going down, like I said, to catch you up. If you did not if you didn't listen to the the broadcast that I did last time please go back to that one for you to properly understand this one. Thank you very much for joining me and my name is Minana Mponda Masaka. Now, when we look at verse 7, it reads that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold which is perishable even through or even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now we see the words there may be found, right? I say that this is an aorist passive subjunctive and this looks at a simple future but adds to this the passive voice and it became a potential, a possibility in the future. So when he says, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ, he's meaning that the life of grace and faith now results in praise, glory, and honor to Jesus Christ at his appearance. Following the rapture of the church, we have the three B's that I talked about last time. The bow, the bonfire, and the bema. And this you can clearly listen to last the last podcast for you to probably understand. And while we receive the rewards of our life of faith, Jesus Christ gets all the glory, all the honor, and praise. Now we jump down to verse 8, which reads, And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you did not see him now, or you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. Here is why I often say that the only way you can depend upon someone you cannot see 
is by faith. It's a clear indication here. There are three ways of, of, of which we can see Christ, right? First, as an eyewitness, which Peter had seen the Lord, walked with him, been with him, but this is now past. Then there's a second way, by faith, which is our present means of perception. Meaning, we can know the Lord, walk with him, fellowship with him by faith. Now, I said last time that rationalism and empiricism does not work with this one. And then we talked about the third one, which is by sight. Meaning in the future, when we will be with Christ, we will be able to see him face to face. Right now, we know Christ and fellowship with him by faith. And that's what I had brought up last week. Furthermore, we looked at the incidents found in 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 in, in John twenty verse twenty five, um, where Thomas said, "Unless I shall see his hands and the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe." But then he saw the Lord, right? And without the tests he prescribed, he believed in the resurrection of the Lord. And the Lord then said to him in verse 29, Because you have seen me, now you believed. Blessed are they who did not see, but yet believed. So, on the night of the Last Supper, in John 14, verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus replied in verse 9, Have I been with you? Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, Show us the Father? In the story, Jesus told of the rich man and Lazarus after they had died, and Lazarus is with Abraham, and the rich man is in torments. The rich man asks that someone return from the dead and show themselves to his brothers that they may believe. But then look at what Jesus says here in Luke 16, verse 30 to 31. Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he, Abraham, said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. So what was my point here? My point is this. To listen is believe, or to listen is believe, and is far more powerful than seeing. When you listen and believe, you are far much better than those that can actually see. We think seeing is believing today, but God tells us that believing is seeing, right? In fact, to Martha in John 11 verse 25 to 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes with me shall live, even if they die. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Something to think about about this, right? Now back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. And the joy of faith, that which we believe without seeing, is inexpressible. 
which means something that cannot be expressed in words. In words. Now, when he says obtaining as the outcome of your faith and the salvation of your souls, the word obtain is to carry something off like plunder or maybe spoils of war or rewards of victory. And that is what our rewards are. The rewards of the victory of the life of grace and faith. And salvation here looks to salvation number three, which we said our entering to eternity, receiving all that God has planned for us. Now we also going to go and look at some principles that I left with you last time, which I'm not going to go in detail because of time. Now back to chapter 1 of First Peter, verse 10, which reads, As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful, careful search and inquiry. This salvation does not refer to salvation one or justification, but to the salvation that is mentioned in verse 9, which is the salvation of your souls. And we noted that that salvation is salvation three, and our anticipation of the assurance of our presence in heaven with the Lord and the rewards we can receive at the Bemaset. So it is not salvation by like justification that is uh, unknown in Old Testament times, nor was it even the salvation kind of deliverance of the believer that was unknown in the Old Testament times. These are both by faith alone, through faith, uh, receive the grace of God. But what was unknown was the future salvation, which is glorification that would occur after death and the rewards that are a potential for every believer of every age as they walk by faith and fulfill the plan God has for them. Here's my principle here. Salvation and justification in every dispensation is the same. It is the same. It is faith alone in what God has revealed regarding his son who is our savior, Jesus Christ. The seed, the tribe of Judah, the son of David, on and on with the progress of revelation, but always meet by the faith of man. There are not different gospels. There are not different ways of salvation. Get that straight. Now, verse 10b then tells us what these Old Testament prophets did predict. That grace would come to a people yet future to them. Verse 11 says, Seeking to know what person or time in this time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. There was a great deal that Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and other Old Testament prophets did know. They knew the Messiah would come. Like we see that from Isaiah 53, right? They knew of his life. They knew of the manner of his death. What city he would be born in, they knew. That he would be born of a virgin, they knew. That he would cause the blind to see, 
They knew, but they did not know when. Just like today, a lot of Old Testament prophets spent time trying to figure out when the Messiah would come. But what Peter deals with is not when or the when aspect, but the how and the outcome of all that would surely come to pass one day. Their specific question was not the personal time, although that was a question, right? But more so the suffering of Christ, the Messiah, and the glory that was to follow. I want you to notice really closely that the order is very important and makes the application to our context suffering preceded the glory. Okay? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, after the cross, there were many glories. The proclaiming of victory to the souls in Hades, the resurrection, the ascension, being seated at the Father's right hand, and are more to follow all the way through the kingdom and the new heavens and new earth, even for Jesus Christ, there is still more glory to come. Can you believe it? From the New Testament, we know about heaven. We know about being face to face with the Lord. We know about the bema and the crowns and rewards it comes with. We know about the glory and yet they did not. So what's our principle here? We have so much more of a reason to rejoice in suffering today than did the Old Testament prophets because we know the rest of the story and the rest of his story the rest of our stories. So that application is simple, right? Just as Jesus Christ suffered before glory, so must we suffer before glory. First Peter chapter 4, we will come and look at it in detail soon. Chapter 12, verse, chapter 4, verse 12 to 13 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fairy ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. Mm, that's strong. But after understanding the Old Testament, and understanding that their understanding was incomplete, ours is more complete. After such searching, they concluded what we now have in verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. So what did these Old Testament prophets know? And what do we know now? Let me give you five things. First of all, that some of the answers could not find, or they could not find, did not have to do with them but us. That's the first thing that you can learn from this. Two, what they did not know has been announced to us. Three, 
This information came through the preaching of the gospel to us, the word of truth. For the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, sent from heaven, revealed these things to us. 5. Even angels look into an intense examination these things. One writer said, angels stand on tiptoes looking at our great salvation. <laughs> Here is Peter's point. If Old Testament prophets search in vain for answers that we now have, if the Old or if the Holy Spirit is sent from heaven for us to have these answers, if angels are standing on tiptoes to see what we have been given, why are we not searching the scriptures to see what God has given to us in every part of our great soul salvation? That's a big question here. That's the point. People, listen to me. There are many answers to life in the word of life, which we call the Bible today. There are answers to your challenges and your problems. There are reasons given to you to understand, like no one else, why you face adversity in life and more so the glory that is to come. You are given a beautiful thing, the spirit of truth and the word of truth. You do not need to turn to adversity or turn adversity rather into stress anxiety, and depression. I'm going to read you a poem that I found. I rejoice in knowing that there is no oil without squeezing the olives, no wine without pressing the grapes, no fragrance without crushing the flowers, and no real joy without sorrow. So think about this. Saturn's lie, that is my self-worth is made up of my performance plus other opinions of me. This is a lie. Notice, and I want you to think about that. What Satan wants to do to us is make our self-worth made up of what I do and other people's opinions about me. But here's God's truth. It is that you, in your self-worth, is determined by God sending his son to die for you from his receiving of you by your faith into his family by your position in Christ and what God thinks of you and Christian listen to me God loves you that's what you that's what you should be thinking about when you think about yourself John 5 verse 44 tells us how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that is from the one and only true God? Important thought, right? Very important thought. And really, something to think about as, 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 we, as we go on. It's, it's, it's a deep truth to, to consider and really reason with. Now, let's press on. Let me take you back for a second to verse 8 of First Peter. What do you see 
the, is, 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 is it really that um, the saying that comes with the world, which we say W-Y-S-I-W-Y-G, is it, is it true? What you see is what you get? <laughs> no, it's not really that because 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8 tells us what you do not see is what you get. Peter has been speaking of the proving and purifying of our faith, right? In verse 8, he gives us three specific genuine ways and precious faith and how it can be evident. He gives us three specific ways. A genuine and precious faith will be evident. The first, in our love for Christ, though you have not seen him, you love him. Two, in our trust in him, though you do not see him now, but believe in him. Three, in our rejoicing because of him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Right? Let's go to verse 1 or verse 10 to 12 of First Peter chapter 1. Consider with me the reasons for ignoring or the ignorance of the prophets of which Peter speaks. First, we must realize that being a prophet means you have a message, not that you understand its meaning. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Being a prophet means you have a message. Not that you understand its meaning. Two, many prophecies were not even recognized as prophecies at that time. Three, Old Testament prophecies were often perplexing because of unclear dis or distinction. Or maybe even apparent contradictions which would be harmonized until only after Christ's coming. Then finally, the prophets were given only one small piece of a much larger puzzle. So the ignorance of the prophets is not because of the prophets themselves, but because of God's will that they do not know certain things. So... Here's my conclusion to, to this. And this is what I would say about um, this part of First Peter chapter 1, really. First, this text should indicate the deep and fundamental unity which exists between the Old Testament and New Testament, and also between the Old Testament and New Testament saints. Second, let this text instruct us about the limitations we must accept concerning prophecies yet unfulfilled. Third, in light of the fulfillment of many prophecies, let us be reminded of the privileges and the responsibilities which come with receiving this divine word or divine truth of Scripture. All right. We, we have that out of the way so far. Let's proceed. Verse 10 reads, As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful search and inquiry. This salvation is what 
we talked about before. We talked about it being a salvation that is of the times to come. And then when we look at it in that way, I want, I want to point out something here. I want to point out something here. There is a difference in what is revealed. Although the object of faith is always Jesus Christ, right? There is a big difference in what happens in salvation 3 when a believer dies. Listen to this. In the age of Israel, a believer died when and when and, and went to Abraham's bosom or paradise. For the age of Israel, rewards come at the end of the tribulation at the marriage feast of the Lamb. For us, absent from the body is face to face with the Lord. We then are with the Lord in the interim state until the rapture. We receive a resurrection body and our rewards are at the bema seat of Jesus Christ. Now, verse 10b would tell us that these Old Testament prophets, they predicted that grace would come to a people, yet future to them. Now, I, I led you to verse 11, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow, which which are basically there, right? Now, there are specific things here. There are questions where not really the personal time, although that was a question, like I said, but more so the sufferings of Christ, the Messiah, and the glory that was to follow. And this comes down all through to now, the times that we have. Now, I want you to listen to what J. Hampton Kidley has to say about the watchfulness of angels significantly, significantly here. So he says, and I quote, A number of passages speech, speak of the angels as observers. Some are surprised by this truth. But the Bible teaches us that angels are spectators of God's activities in the world and that they are especially keen on observing the unfolding of his plan of redemption. They observed God's creation and rejoiced. At seeing the birth of Christ, the angels rejoiced to praise God. And they witnessed the entirety of Jesus' life on earth. They also observed God's joy when a sinner repents. Angels are keenly interested in man's threefold salvation and careful observe, observation or observe, carefully observe God's manifest or manifold wisdom. Right? And in affording his redemptive plan. In the state, things into which the angels long to look, things are those things that belong to our salvation and long to look is the same word used of the actions of John and Peter and Mary when they stretched out to peer into the empty tomb. End quote. So, maybe an inscription in an old church in Scotland 
states this watchfulness of angels so well, which inscribes, and I quote, Though God's power be sufficient to govern us, yet for man's infirmity he appointed us his angels to watch over us. It's a beautiful, beautiful statement right there, in which I'm very, very proud of. We proceed further on. We're about to go into uh, verse 12. Sorry, I was just opening up my Bible. And uh, technology is quite slow. Now, with verse 12, I want to open with Charles Spurgeon in, in a quote where he is training young ministers and he said these particular words to his students. We just turning down the phone there. Yeah. When you talk about, and this is Charles Spurgeon, when you talk about heaven, let your face light up with a heavenly glory. When you tell about hell, your everyday face will do. <laughs> I love Charles Spurgeon, and just just to be clear, I love his his um, his humor. I loved how he preached. He was very very vibrant, and. I I could sense how he would probably have said this, and that's why I had to chuckle at that. But uh, he's he's a very exciting preacher. I would encourage you to read more of his work. Now, what we want to face here in chapter 1, verse 12, is why we face, or why you face, or why your face can light up right now, as you anticipate what God has done for you in heaven. That's what I'm uncovering here in verse 12, which reads, It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things, which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Now, here is Peter's point. Again, If Old Testament prophets search in vain for answers that we now have, if the Holy Spirit is sent from heaven for us to have such answers, if angels are standing on tiptoes to see what we have been given, why are we not searching the scriptures to see what God has given us in every part of our great salvation? There are answers to life. In the Bible, there are answers to your challenges. There are answers to your problems. And there are reasons given to you to understand, like no one else, why you face adversity in life and more so in the glory that is to come or the glory that is to come. You are given the spirit of truth, the word of truth. You do not need to turn adversity into stress, into anxiety and fear. Now on to first Peter chapter 1 verse 13 to 21. There are words there in, 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 in first Peter that I want us to explain. Rather than there, um, Paul may have used different words. 
and the conjunction here of the words that he uses in verse 13 it looks more of drawing an absolute fact like bringing the point and that's what peter peter peter's trying to use here sorry about that so he's trying to use that right he's he's trying to bring an absolute fact the fact that is so inescapable that it requires an application look at verse 13 therefore gird your minds of action keep sober in spirit fix your hope completely on the grace to be bought or to be brought to you at the revelation of jesus christ we have in this verse an action and an attitude what is the action gird your minds for action and keep sober clear of thought in spirit the word translated gird is found only here in the new testament it is taken from an ancient eastern custom of girding up long robes for working for running or a journey and we are on a journey right we are in a race right and in application of truth we do work faith without works is dead right here's the attitude fix your hope totally on the grace of your eternity with jesus christ and that is salvation number three fix here is also the word for trust it's a synonym for faith now on to verse 14 to 16 which tells us about how we can do this how we can fix right there it is as an obedient children or as an obedient child do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance but like the holy one who called you be holy yourselves also in your behaviors because it is written you shall be holy for i am holy which is leviticus 19 verse 2 by the way just for your study's sake the word as the obedient children is that kind of terminology that brings one negative and followed by a positive and a promise so there's one negative and then there's a positive and then there's the promise the negative here is do not be conformed to the former lusts of ignorance ignorance of salvation in jesus christ ignorant of grace and faith you are to be conformed to the image of christ remember paul says this right the only other passage in which that word is found is another negative passage by paul in romans 12 verse 2 do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you can be you can be able to prove what the will of god is that which is good and acceptable and perfect then we see the word but there which is a strong contrast to the positive strong concept contrast to the positive according to i'm reading now according to the one who called you be holy in all your behavior the according there is a is 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 there as a standard and it is not the rules that god lays down which is a standard there but god himself then there is a promise and it is a promise however that often is seen as a command because and here we have that word again because of 
this absolute fact and it has been written in previous times you shall be holy as god is holy now did you catch the difference we are looking ahead to something in the future you shall be not be holy you shall be right isn't that peter's whole argument in these paragraphs he is challenging us to live by grace and faith now even in the midst of suffering because one day this is going to be all over and we will be with the lord now even when that suffering comes from ourselves from our not girding our minds from not being obedient children from our own unseparated behavior one day we will be as holy as god perfect in position and in practice that's beautiful that is beautiful perfect in righteousness so the procedure of girding our minds keeping sober in spirit and fixing your hope there is of a fivefold first it begins with a childlike attitude which is a positive for it is a positive for 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 for, for Oh, it's a positive it is a positive possibility for all of us regardless of age jesus said to his disciples in mark chapter 10 verse 15 and i quote truly i say to you whoever does not receive the kingdom of god like a child shall not enter it at all two do not be conformed to old habits or last patterns that this those sins of course but more so the patterns of behavior that we establish to cope with life as an, an unbeliever god has a new and better way for you three recognize the holiness the separation the perfection of god because god wants you to know him as your father he wants that closeness with you one of the very first promises in the new testament found in james chapter 4 verse 8 is draw near to god and he will draw near to you four give attention to behavior a manner of life a way of life right and this does not look at legalism but it looks at an overall manner of life for us that life is the life of grace and faith number five do not be discouraged look ahead knowing that one day you will be holy as god is holy this is our hope and when we do get discouraged with self with our sin with our shortcomings keep looking ahead peter strengthens the argument in verse 17 here he turns the argument around he looks into eternity and then brings that back to our time look at verse 17 and if you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each man's work conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay upon earth the if there is a first condition statement right since you address this can be translated to call upon the father since you address since you call upon the father who impartially judges according to to each man's work 
do you see the context the context of the bema seat here the word judge there can be translated as a judge but also selecting or choosing or determining and that is the idea here a selection or choosing of the one who has had their conduct their behavior their manner of life be a life of grace and faith so in light of future judgment or rewards conduct and is this is another form of the word behavior that we have in verse 15 and it means to turn back to return and it looks at that which is a response so here's my principle here what we do in time in our conduct and behavior is not a work on our part or from our effort but rather a response to the greater work of the father the duration people of god of our conduct or manner of life as a response to god's work is given as during your stay upon the earth in other words in heaven this will not even be a consideration praise be to god for that so peter looked ahead to our place in heaven and our place before the bema as a reason to be motivated for our conduct in time and now and in the next four verses he looks back at salvation number one as a motive for our conduct and behavior in time and we should conduct ourselves in fear fear of what fear of judgment no but because we have the promise of romans 8 verse 1 there is no condemnation to those who are in jesus christ our fear is not of judgment but of loss of losing out on what God already has for us. Second John chapter 8 says, Second John verse 8, sorry, says, Watch yourselves that you might not lose what you have accomplished, what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a few full rewards. Sorry. Revelation chapter 3, verse 11 says, Hold fast what you have, in order that no one take your crown. So remember, conduct and behavior in our passages looks at us over all manner of life not just our actions at a point of time we all fail we all sin but what is us over all manner of life is it a life of grace and faith verse 18 says knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from future ways of life inherited from your forefathers now remember back in verse 7 when we when when peter introduced the subject of suffering he said that our suffering can result in a proof of our faith that is more valuable than gold right here is the basis of that statement this is now what we know as this is what we know knowing this we are not redeemed or we were not redeemed an erroist term there it is a past to be purchased to be set free from the vain or empty ways of life from your forefathers so for the jews this would be the bondage of the law or bondage to the law for the gentiles this would be the pagan worship of false gods we were redeemed purchased not with gold but with something much better which verse 19 tells us with the precious blood precious blood of the lamb unblemished or spotless 
the blood of Christ. Strong contrast there with the valuable blood of one who was similar to a lamb without spot or blemish that is the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Now, why is Peter looking so far back? Back to the creation? Well, if God's plan was sure from eternity past, and now that part of the plan has appeared or become a reality, anything he has planned for the future, our future, is just as certain and as sure. And verse 21 comes to bring it home. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So, if God raised Christ from the dead and gave him glory, he will also raise us from the dead and give us glory. Why? So that, here's the conclusion of the paragraph, expanded your faith by which you now live or you live now and you hope in what will happen in the future when your life here is over are both in God or in view towards God. So here are my lessons from verse 13 to 21. We are to take mental action and have a mental attitude of faith towards grace. We should do this because one day we are going to be with God. We should do this because one day we will be holy like God. Our behavior and conduct are really responses to what God has done. And God has already shown us that he can save us. We have been purchased by God. From eternity past, God had a plan for Christ our Savior. And now he has a plan for our eternal salvation in heaven with him. Because of the reality of salvation and the promise of the future, we live by faith right now. And because of the reality of salvation and the promise of the future, we look to the future with hope. Before Dwight L. Moody died, he caught a glimpse of the glory awaiting him. Awakening from a sleep, he said, Earth recedes. Heaven opens before me. If this is death, it is sweet. There is no valley here. God is calling me and I must go. His son, who was standing by his bedside, said, No, no, father, you are dreaming. No, said Mr. Moody, I am not dreaming. I have been within the gates. I have seen the children's faces. A short time he spoke his last words. This is my triumph. This is my coronation day. It is glorious. I'm going to close with this. First Peter chapter 1 verse 22 to 25. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purify your souls for a sincere love and of brethren of the brethren fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of the seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and abiding word of God. For 
all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass the grass withers and the flower falls off but the word of God abides forever and this is the word which was preached to you thank you for listening to this segment I pray you join me next time as we continue on God bless you